So we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're in Matthew 3. And where we are in our sermon series is uh, we're talking about the why of us. And this is led by David, that we're, we're in a season right now of talking about why are we doing what we're doing and what are our values. The why being, and I think that this is what we feel like the why of the gospel is, is his kingdom released on earth. So our faith is not one where we, uh, we get saved, barely, by the furnace, fiery flames of hell, and we're just holding on until one day uh, we, will, we will escape this terrible place and uh, not be burned. Our faith, a, a biblical faith, a faith that takes into account uh, God's story from day one of creation through the patriarchs, through the prophets, through... Um, God's people finding a home and coming out of exile or coming out of um, bondage in, in Exodus when they're slaves to a place where they have God's presence and their land and the promised land and then they go into exile and then a savior comes and we, we know that as Yeshua, Jesus and, and his whole heartbeat is the kingdom. He's con- the thing he teaches the most on is the kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm not sure you'll be able to find, I mean, tell me if you do, a a place where he says, um, pray a prayer to be saved and then hope that it goes okay until you die. His heart is kingdom. And he says, when you come into a faith with me, when you're grafted into the family of God, you are part of the kingdom of God. You are citizens of heaven. And the kingdom is now. The kingdom is here. And this is what it looks like to live a a spirit-filled kingdom life. And so that starts for Matthew right in chapter 3. And I think that David is brilliant in picking this passage to talk about a spirit-filled life. So we're talking about the how, kingdom on earth, or I mean the why, our, our big why. Everything we do as a community should be based out of, is it releasing kingdom? Is it releasing heaven on earth? Another way to look at it is, is it releasing life and not death? Is it moving toward community and communion with God and with each other, not away from it? And then we're talking about things that matter in that. So last week we talked about community. This week, oh, and the, the week before that we talked about discipleship, life-on-life relationship. You don't live in the kingdom apart from relationship. And then this week we're talking about the spirit-filled life, how essential that is in this journey we're on of being part of the kingdom of God. So why I think David is so brilliant is because you bring up the word spirit and people are like, okay, are we going to talk about the gifts of the spirit? Are we going to talk about baptism in the spirit? Are we going to talk about um, Pentecost? There's all these different things that could come to your mind. And honestly, it kind of creates some anxiety for me because um, I spend a lot of time thinking about that kind of thing. And I definitely have a cool journey to talk about in that. But some people have been really wounded by that stuff. And then other people just, it's like, well, I don't even really know what to think about the Holy Spirit. So why I love that David picked Matthew 3 to talk about uh, a spirit-filled life is this, and I'll tell you after we read it. Okay, Matthew 3, and I want to start in verse 11, but I'm going to give you a little context. Beginning of Matthew, he's chapters 1 and 2. Matthew is saying very clearly, this is who Jesus is. And what he's really saying is, he's the Messiah. And he's from the, he fits the part, because he's talking to Jews, and he's saying, this is our guy. He came from this, from this, from this. And because they, they're thinking like, is he the Jew of Jews? Is he the one sent from God? Um, And so he's kind of giving like a pedigree or, 
you know, this is what you need to know about Jesus. And then he talks about the birth of Jesus and what happened and King Herod and King Herod wanted, wanting to, you know, snuff out Jesus and the spirit of God talking with Joseph and Mary and telling them exactly what to do to protect Jesus. They moved to Egypt. And um, then we're done with the birth story and at the end of chapter two, and we go straight to this story. So I'm telling you this because it matters. Like, think about what Matthew's trying to say. If you could, if you have like 30 minutes, just go read all of Matthew. Don't go read Matthew 2. Don't go read Matthew 3. Because you're just going to get a little splice, and Matthew's easy to read. And you can just, I mean, even if you don't get it all, but read the story. It's a story, and and it's going to make a lot of, I mean, for me, it's really powerful to see he goes from birth to this is what you need to know. And where we are is in those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So it's Jesus is born. And now fast forward 30 years, kingdom of heaven is near. John is, has a big following. People are coming to him to be baptized into his baptism, which in that day, we have all these other connotations about that. But in that day, if it was kind of common, if you followed somebody, they would, and you learned from them, you would be baptized into their teaching, and you would do mikvah, which is very common. It's, you know, this head, heart, hands, feet, cleansing, and giving yourself. I want to follow you, God. I, I want you to, f- to come and, 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 and be in my thoughts, cleanse my thoughts. I want you to cleanse the work of my hands. I want you to, to, I give you my heart. I want you to consume my heart, and I give you the places I lay my feet. You know, any good Jew would have done mikvah very often. Cleanse me, Lord. I'm yours. So um, that's probably what's going on here, but also people are coming and being baptized by John because they're receiving his message. They're sitting under his tutelage or his discipleship. Um, Okay, so, and they call that the baptism of repentance for John. So we're hearing that, and then I'm going to start in verse 11 where John is talking to the people, and he says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I'm not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee. Let me just pause and say that's a real common imagery there. This is like a very agricultural community, and I'm not going to teach on it this morning, but like that's a, a very clear thing, speaking to the people of that time of understanding what the word of the Lord, what the word of Jesus does. Okay, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God sending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. I love that David picked this passage to talk about the spirit-filled life because it's so um, safe. The spirit-filled life is the life of Christ. The f- one of the very first things that Matthew wants you to know about your Savior who you follow is that he was baptized in the spirit. And he baptizes in the spirit and fire, scripture says. So it's this awesome picture of Jesus, before he begins his formal ministry, coming to John, and we get 
affirmation of the father giving him authority, and that's another great thing. Like for, for rabbis, you would be given authority by a greater rabbi. It's called shmiha. And, and you needed two greater rabbis affirming your authority before you actually had shmiha and could teach with shmiha with authority. You'll, you'll read Jesus saying, you've heard it said, but I say this. That's, that's him using his authority. Um, what we get here is this picture of John saying, hey, your rabbi, this, this one who's the Messiah, he has shmiha from heaven. His shmiha, his authority to teach, why you should listen to him is because it came from the father who said, this is my son, listen to him. And the Holy Spirit who comes down and in one of the gospels, it doesn't say like a dove. They all say like a dove. It doesn't say he came down in the form of a dove. It says like a dove. So think diving down on him fast. Um, it says, one of them says he, the person came on him. So it's not, it's not this like fluffy bird that landed on his shoulder. It's, it's the actual person of the Godhead of the Holy Spirit coming onto Jesus at this moment. And then immediately what Matthew does is take you into story after story after story till the end of Jesus teaching, Jesus calling people into his flock, kind of saying like, come follow me, his disciples. And we know 12 of them really well, but there were a lot of other ones too. He's saying, come follow me, because if he calls you to follow him, everybody knows that if a rabbi calls you to follow him, that means you can be like him. He says, come come follow me, and then he's, the sick are coming to him constantly. In the, in the first couple chapters here, if you keep reading, the sick are just drawn to him. He heals them all. People who are afflicted with things that they've been struggling with their whole life, some of them wanting to kill themselves, come to him and are set free. We would call that delivered. Scripture says they're delivered. So it's story after story of teaching, leading, comforting, healing, delivering, teaching, healing, delivering, teaching, healing, delivering. Basically, that's like his path to the cross, laying down his life, becoming the sacrifice, becoming sin, becoming the curse so that we're not under the curse anymore, so that we're not under the curse of sin and death anymore. And then saying, he, he rises from the dead, he's beat dead, death. So before, if you were afraid of death or, or living under this, towering thing over you of fear, even fear of life. And he says, hey, I got the keys to the kingdom back and all authority has been given to me. Matthew's made that real clear that we saw that at the beginning of Matthew, that all authority has been given to him. The filling of the Holy Spirit's been given to him. And he says, now you go. And, and the disciples, you know, they don't get it. And they're like, but we want you. We just want you. What could be better than Jesus being with us? I mean, we'd probably do the same thing. What could be better than Jesus? I want Jesus here. You don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from Jesus. If Jesus could come right now, bang on that door, I would love to let him come and speak to us. But Jesus says no, and read John 14, 15, 16, 17. Jesus says no. It's better for you that I go because if I don't go, the comforter cannot come. You need the comforter to come because he's going to fill every one of you in the same way that he's filled me. And then I'm giving you my authority. So he's doing what, what happened to him to affirm that he's the son of God and to empower him into his ministry is what he then passes to us. And in that 50 days between his resurrection and Pentecost, Pentecost is when the Holy Spirit filled the early church, He's risen from the dead. He appears to many people, scripture says, and he's teaching them about 
the kingdom. His heartbeat is kingdom, 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 and authority. And so he's saying, now you go. I've got an authority. I give it to you. But wait. And that's just the one but. And you should pay attention if Jesus says but. He says, but wait for the Holy Spirit to come. So the disciples and probably hundreds, you know, at least 150 of his followers who loved him, who are going through a mourning process too, um, they're learning from this guy who's resurrected. You can see the holes in his hands. I mean, how incredible is that? They're wanting him to stay, but he's saying, I'm going to go, and when I go, the comforter's going to come. And the enabler is another word for the Holy Spirit. The counselor, like take counsel from him. You don't want the counsel. There's lots of counsel in the world. We know this. In your mind, you're probably constantly entertaining counsel, right? And it may sound like you. It may sound like your voice. Well, what if I, if I do this? Or gosh, well, I just don't know. Well, I'm just not that. I'm that's great. Casey can get up and talk about this. I can't do that. You know, you're constantly entertaining counsel. And, and the, the spirit, in the spirit world, the Holy Spirit speaks to us in using the organ of our mind. Our mind is not God. Our, our mind is an organ that God uses to speak to us. It's one. So back to he's the great counselor. He's the one that in, will come and bring um, alignment with Jesus and the Father in our mind. That's why scripture talks about you need to be renewed in the patterns of your mind. So why would you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, because there's no way your, your patterns are going to be renewed apart from that. If Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, I think we should probably need it. And, and then let me just help you take a quick breath. If you're worried that you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, let me just tell you, you have. Um, go back to creation. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was void and formless, and um, darkness covered the surface of the deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then, you know, it talks about creation, this beautiful story of how how we came to be, and and, um, this beautiful picture that talks so much about who God is and who we are in relation to him. And And God forms man out of the dust of the ground and breathes into him the breath of life. The word for spirit in Hebrew is ruah, and often it's translated spirit. Mostly it's translated spirit, but sometimes it's translated wind or breath. Breathe in, breathe out right now. You have the Spirit of God in you. You would not be sitting here if you did not have the Spirit of God in your body. It's what gives you life. Nothing else gives you life. Jesus obviously had the Spirit of God too, but he, he, he goes through this powerful encounter in, in a public setting where the Holy Spirit also again fills him. And, and we get to live in a day and age where... Um, David talks about this, and I'm not going to do it justice, so again, listen to his sermon this morning, too. It's so good. He talks kind of about the history of the Holy Spirit in our church, um, in brief, and the history of the Spirit in the church, and he, he references Phyllis Tickle, who's awesome to read if you um, are interested, and she uh, talks about, like, uh, the age, that we're entering the age of the Spirit, and if you kind of look at history, that the 2,000 years before Jesus were all about the Father God. Um, this would be the time also of, you know, the Hebrew Bible. So all about learning in human history, the revelation of who Father God is. And then from Jesus to now, the the last 2,000 years have been a lot about 
Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, and that we're entering a time, um, and she quotes this prophetic word given by someone hundreds of years ago, and this is not, you know, 10 years ago in this Holy Spirit tent revival thing. This is church history um, about that the, the next 2,000 years would be the revelation of who the Spirit of God is. Um, and that we are, we are well into that, that that's the day and age we live in, and, and that that's like, we're not off tracks. The church is not off tracks, and if there's fear associated with the Holy Spirit, um, that's probably the voice of fear and not the Spirit, and you can know the voice of the Spirit because it aligns with Scripture and it aligns with the heartbeat of the Father and with the life of Jesus. So, Scripture talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Is, is okay, if I'm going to ask the Lord Jesus, what are you saying about this? If I'm going to listen, go to listen, and really believe that he's actually going to speak to me, I don't have to be afraid, because if it sounds off, if it's like something condemning to me, well, I know the word that says, he came not to condemn, but to set me free. He might convict me, but, but I, I also grew up personally with this idea that the Holy Spirit only... Um, was there to correct my sin. And I also maybe kind of had this lie too that the Holy Spirit was, um, the Holy Spirit was just gonna like kind of correct me and make, convict me of my sin. And that's like one little part of it, but it's not even that. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. The Holy Spirit is there to enliven us, to set us, to, to set us in a position of empowerment and freedom and plug us into the heartbeat of God. So, so when you go and you talk to Jesus, you're being empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you're entering into a relationship and trying to follow Jesus, maybe that looks like you're just, you're reading the word and just kind of trying to follow, like taking the next best step in what it looks like in your life of faith to follow. You're interacting with the Holy Spirit. He's the one that allows that to happen. If you're wanting to know the heartbeat of the Father, maybe you're just like, okay, Father, you know, teach me about your love. The Holy Spirit is doing that. So you've already been interacting with the Holy Spirit in big ways. And um, fear would love to keep us from it because the Holy Spirit makes everything easier. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. The Holy Spirit unites the church. The Holy Spirit um, comforts us. The Holy Spirit teaches us and counsels us, gives us the mind of Christ. The Holy Spirit um, gives refreshing the whole, I, I can't even imagine trying to follow Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit, although I do imagine it because I think I did it for a long time. And I, I'm going to close with just a little testimony. Um, you know, I grew up in the church, and, and by that I mean I went to a lot of churchy things. I, I absolutely believe the church is us, our relationships. As those of us who are following Jesus, we are the church. The church is his body, his bride, and, and that may look like everybody who gathers here, and it may not. It may look like Sunday morning, and church happens on Sunday morning, but church is much bigger than that. Um, so I grew up, I would say, knowing the church, the bride of Christ, knowing people who knew Jesus. And I was always drawn to a couple people in particular who seemed to actually really know him. Like they, when they prayed, it was like they really they really got him. They weren't just saying words. And I learned a lot from the other things that seemed like we were just saying words or memorizing scripture. Like, I know the Holy Spirit was all in that. But there are these certain people that I was just drawn to. But I also had these lies and this fear about the Holy Spirit in particular. I actually read a pamphlet one time uh, talking about the gifts of the Spirit that they were um, just not from God. Uh, it was a pretty condemning pamphlet. And I really